If you're searching for more confidence, purpose, and peace in your life, then be sure to request your copy of Dr. David Jeremiah's book called Everything You Need. The good news is that God has already provided everything you need for growth. All you have to do is develop His gifts in your life. This book is yours when you make a donation to Turning Point. And when you give $75 or more, you'll receive the complete set. Visit davidjeremiah.ca for more information. In the 90s, Christians with WWJD wristbands asked themselves, what would Jesus do? Now, a better question might be, how would Jesus love? Today on Turning Point, Dr. David Jeremiah considers the self-sacrificing love of Jesus, which Christians are called to live out. With biblical insights and practical tips for doing that, here's David with the conclusion of his message, Selfless Love. Thank you so much for joining us today. We are coming down to the end of our series of messages called Everything You Need from Second Peter chapter 1. And today we look at the second part of a lesson we started on Friday, which is called Selfless Love. The kind of love that God has for us is the kind of love He wants us to have for others. We are to love others as God has loved us. What kind of love is that? Well, the Bible calls it agape love, love that seeks nothing in return, but just loves because it is its nature to love. This is a wonderful quality that we can develop in our own lives. We will never be perfect at it till we get to heaven, but we can be growing in it, and it's a tremendous journey when we walk that road. We'll get to it in just a moment. First, let me remind you that during the month of February, when you send a gift to Turning Point, we'd love to send you our very special resource for this month, which is the Mediterranean Sea Rules by Robert Morgan, 10 God-Given Strategies for Navigating Life Storms. Rob writes on the front cover, the same God who governs the weather is the God who can guide you through your storms. And that's really important to know. We had a big storm here uh, last week, and a lot of people had to get unflooded. I mean, it was a mess. A lot of homes were ruined. And uh, I read about a lady who had a home in Coronado. She built a parking garage under her home, and it was totally flooded up to nine feet. Covered her car, golf carts, and everything. Storms come, not only just in the weather, but in other parts of our life as well. Rob has done a tremendous job giving us some easy-to-use principles that you will love. The book is yours for the asking when you send a gift of any size to Turning Point today. Well, here's part two of Selfless Love. The love of God exists in this world, and it's the only thing that really motivates genuine goodness on the planet. Not all of us are called to take a homeless person, but when the love of Christ motivates you, you will recognize the call if it should come. And the thing that demonstrates who we are as Christians is the unexplainable things we do because we have this quality of divine love coursing through our spiritual veins. We do things nobody could understand. Why would they do that? There's only one reason. They're Christ followers, and the love of God has captured their heart. And when the love of God captures your heart, what you discover is you got too much for just yourself, and you got to let it spill over into the lives of other people. I have so many stories of this particular 
principle working. I can't tell you all of them, but here's one I wanted to include. In Cary, Illinois, there's a restaurant known for its homemade soup. Noah Dionysotis loves homemade soup. And he was a frequent customer at J.C.'s Cafe, which is owned by Chef Juan Carlos. One day, Noah stopped coming. You see, he had multiple sclerosis, and it had gotten worse. And he was taking chemotherapy, and he was stuck at home. And once in a while, he would post on Facebook. And one day, he posted on Facebook that he missed J.C.'s soup. And shortly afterward, there was a knock at the door, and it was J.C. himself, Juan Carlos, who saw the post, and he was there with a pot of soup, and it was hot and fresh and free, and he came the next day and the next day, and for an entire year, Juan Carlos personally delivered free soup to Noah several times a week. Can you imagine that? You say, who does that? Not most people, but God's people do. The Bible says, For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died, and he died for all, that those who should no longer live for themselves, but for him who was raised again. Jesus died for all, and he gives us the privilege of communicating that love everywhere we go. When the love of Jesus lights a fuse of concern in your heart, you can expect your actions to carry incredible, incredible gospel punch. You're just being God, loving people in action. You know, one of the most important things for you to remember about love in the New Testament is, once in a while, it's a noun, but mostly it's a verb. You know, a noun's great, you know, the love of God. But a verb is even more important. You know what the Bible says, men? The Bible says, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. And you know what's interesting about that? It's not an option. It's not a suggestion. It's a command. You say, well, my wife doesn't treat me right. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. And you know what happens when you start to do that? Whatever it is you think that isn't going right with your spouse will start to get straightened out, not by something she's done, but by something you. The best thing you can do when you start having trouble in your marriage is find out exactly what it is God tells you you're supposed to do and do it whether anything good happens or not. We don't like to hear what God says to us about love, but love is the way we get through life. And when we get God's love in our hearts, it helps us to serve other people. When God's love begins to resonate with you, you will feel so overwhelmed with it that you'll want to share it with somebody else. Amen? As Jesus' love that night spilled over into his act of service to his disciples. And then number three, love imitates the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's take a step further. When we learn to love as Jesus does, it's because we've decided to follow his example. It means we see Jesus doing this and we want to do it. Is that the right thing? Listen to these words. These are the words of Jesus. If I then, your teacher and Lord, have washed your feet, 
you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Now, I do not believe that Jesus was literally saying that we should wash each other's feet. We live in a totally different culture in the days when Jesus washed the disciples' feet literally. They walked through dirty streets, and when they would arrive at a house, there would be a servant who would come and cleanse their feet so that they wouldn't track dirt into the house. And so foot washing was simply a symbol of a self-sacrificing act Jesus said, I have shown you my love by washing the dirty feet of my disciples. Take that illustration and don't be too embarrassed to do anything in the name of Jesus that will make a difference in the life of a person. What happened that night when Jesus washed the disciples' feet, Jesus tells us is a picture of how we should pass on God's love to other people when we have experienced ourselves. If we love God most, the way we will prove that is by loving others best. I know this sounds preposterous. How can you love someone best by loving someone else the most? But the way you love God is by loving others. You know, how would you love God if that weren't true? The Bible says you can't even see him. You can't touch him. You accept him by faith. He's in your heart. God, I want to love you today. How do I do that? Do you put your arms around your heart? No, the Bible says we love God by loving others. And the Bible is so full of illustrations of it. You remember the passage that says, if you come and say, I love God, but you don't do anything to help your neighbor, how is that the love of God? Don't show up with this mitigating nonsense that you really love God, but you won't walk across the street to help somebody in need, or you won't show up at church to help your pastor. The biggest outreach we have all year at Shadow Mountain Church for children, it's called Summer Blast. They have over 1,700 children to come to this thing. Absolute chaos and pandemonium in many ways, but wonderful. Do you know how many volunteers it takes to minister to that many children? It takes 500, but we didn't get 500. We got 600. Have you ever heard of that? And these people, some of them have taken off work. Some of them plan their vacation for that week. We'll have several hundred of these kids who will come to Christ will reach families that we didn't know existed. And the Lord will bless the ministry to children. Did you know that 75% of the people who come to Christ come to Christ before the age of 18? And 25% after that age. So if you're going to win people to Christ, you better get them when they're young. And we have a great time. It's a wonderful, exciting time. And, but what an illustration of the love of God that is to me. These people who have their own lives, some of them don't even have any children. Some of them don't have any grandchildren, many single people involved. But they come together out of the mandate of the love of God to touch the lives of these children. What an incredible picture that is of this passage of Scripture. So, here's what we know. We know that when the love of God is involved in our lives... It makes a difference every which way. It navigates our lifelong journey. 
It motivates us to serve others. It imitates the Lord Jesus Christ. We become Christ to these people. And here's the fourth thing. It elevates the experience of life for us. Now, I know you have to take this by faith. If you have never really served the Lord sacrificially, you are missing the greatest blessing you will ever have outside of becoming a Christian. You say, that doesn't sound right. No, it sounds biblical. Here's what the Bible says. Jesus said, if you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. He didn't say, blessed are those to whom you do it, although that is true. No, Jesus said, if you know these things about sacrificing your life out of your desire to show the love of God to other people, if you know these things and you do them, you will be blessed. This is what I found more and more in my life than any other thing. The thing I sometimes go to do to help someone else comes barreling back at me with the blessing I never expected, bigger than anything I could ever imagine. You can't outserve God just like you can't outgive God. The more you serve, the more God blesses you as you serve. So you can't share the love of God with others without being blessed in the process. And then number five, love authenticates our discipleship. This is something very special. The new element in this is really important. If you've never noticed it before, you need to hear this. This love that we're talking about today, according to the Bible, is the highest level of love in all of the world. It is so different from the Old Testament concept of loving one's neighbor as oneself. Jesus' love is this, love others, not as you love yourself, but as Jesus has loved you. And how has Christ loved you? But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. By this we know love, because he laid down his life for us, and we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. So the Bible says that when we love, and we love sometimes in hard situations, and we care to reach into dangerous areas, and we minister to children, and sometimes to parents, and we have an incredible group of guys who minister to prisoners, and touch their lives and the lives of their families. You know, there's no place where you sign up that says, if you do this, this is what will come back to you. But you do it, and there's this automatic thing that happens. The more you serve people, the greater the blessing in your life. When our summer blast is over, we will hear many stories about children's lives who will be changed. But we will hear as many stories about workers' lives who have been changed. When they realize that God has entrusted them to be a vehicle for his love to these little ones who come onto the campus that day. The love of Jesus is so different than any other kind of love you will ever imagine. The Bible says it is the badge of our discipleship. Did you know that? In John 13, it says, By this shall all men know that you are my disciples. These are the words of Jesus. And what is the rest of it? When you have love one for another. 
John Piper, who's quite a well-known preacher and teacher, said, I personally like it when people put fish symbols on their cars and wear crosses and put hope in God in their windows. But if you ask Jesus, what's the mark of a Christian that will set them off and help the world to know that they are your disciples? His answer would be, by this will all men know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Love for each other in the church is the badge of Christianity. And I remember reading some years ago a statement that a great teacher said. He said, I give you the permission to go out into the world and examine people as to the reality of their faith. And if you find them saying that they love Jesus, but they don't have any love for one another, you should really question whether they really know Christ at all. Because when Christ comes to live within your heart, out of his love for you and his sacrifice for you, he says, if you want to know if you're my disciple or not, Let me ask you this question. How are you doing loving one another? How are you doing caring for other people? Are you a hoarder? Do you just take that love and box it all up in your heart? That's not God's way. We are not collection places. We are conduits. And we are to be the reservoir that's been set loose into the lives of other people. So... Let me just give you a couple of final things before we close our Bibles. So how can you diligently add to your faith love? Here's the first thing I would say to you. Remember, first of all, again, that you were loved. We love because he first loved us. Don't ever forget that. Because if you try to love and you don't know that the love comes from God, you're going to fail. You cannot mimic God's love without God. You can't manufacture a love that looks like God's love. I remember reading a story about a guy who was writing an article about what he noticed about Christians. And he said, I watch these Christians and they help the homeless. And he said, they put bandages on people that are hurt. They go to the mission field. They go into rough places to work. They go to the prisons. And then this man, who was not a Christian, but he was a real agnostic, he said, I used to think that you should be able to be as good a person without Christ as you could be with him. But he said, after all these years I've been studying this, I realized that the Christians have something the rest of us don't. And there isn't any way to do what they do without having what they have. And that's true. What we have is our relationship with God. If we try to do the work of God without a relationship with God, it will fall flat on its face. But when you love God and you let the love of God that's been shed abroad in your hearts motivate you to serve God, it's a thing of beauty. It's a wonderful thing to watch. So remember that you are loved. And don't ever, ever question that. Because if you question God's love for you, you will never be able to love anybody else. Number two, reimagine your relationships. Steve Henning of Huntley, Illinois, was totally deaf. He had contracted spinal meningitis when he was two years old. World War II was raging at the time. Doctors had a shortness of penicillin, and it cost Steve his hearing. And for the next 57 years, he missed the sounds of music, of birds singing, of laughter, and the voices of his loved ones. Then in 2001... He learned about a surgical procedure that allowed sound waves to bypass the non-functioning parts of the ear and travel directly to the auditory nerve. So he decided to undergo the procedure, but success wasn't promised. 
For six weeks, the implanted device waited to be activated until the swelling in his ear had gone down. Finally, the day came to flip the switch and see if it worked. The audiologist programmed the implant and asked Steve's wife to say something. And she leaned forward, looked at her husband, and gently said, I love you. And it worked. And those were the first syllables Steve had heard since he was two years old. He broke into a smile and started his new life with the world's greatest three words, I love you. Who in your life needs to hear those words? Call them on the phone, write them a letter, text them, all kinds of ways to convey to them that you love them. And listen to me, don't assume that they know it. Make sure they know it. You can never say it too many times. You can easily say it not enough times. Instead of asking what others have to offer you, reimagine your relationships and ask what you can do to help them. And then reorganize your priorities. You know, we all want to do these things, don't we? These things we're talking about. You know, Pastor, I I'm, I'm really want to do it, but what happens is we get busy. And all of a sudden, we're back in the routine that we left, and the stuff we heard is kind of ringing in our ears, but we're saying, how do I do that? How do I do it with everything else? I know I should, but I don't know when or how. And I think sometimes you don't love simply because it's not on your mind. Not a priority. So how can you make love a priority in your life? Just like you make anything else a priority in your life, you schedule it. You say, you schedule loving people? Here's one way to do that. On your calendar or your to-do list, just write down John 13, 34, and 35 next to all your assignments. Ask yourself, how can I love like Jesus today? After all, that's your job. You remember I told you the other day that one of the prayers I pray often in the morning is, Lord, help me to bring the influence of Jesus where I go today. Help me to be a good illustration and example of who you are to the people I talk to. Boy, will that really put you in a spot where you can hear the voice of God. <laughs> and each day we should make it our point to put love at the top of our list. You say, well, where do I start? Just ask the Lord to show you. Crown all the qualities in life with the love of Jesus Christ. I tell you, men and women, the world is so thirsty for it. The people around you are starving for love. Your family and friends, your neighbors and co-workers, your brothers and sisters, they all need someone to wash their feet and strengthen their courage. And when you find it difficult to follow in the steps of Jesus, just remember this. It all starts with Jesus' love for you. He gave you everything you need so that you would have everything that is needed by the people who are waiting for your words of love. Love is the last quality that Peter highlights. But I want to leave you with these words from 1 John. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. And if we love one another, God lives in us, and his love has been perfected in us. How do you love God? You love God by loving people. How do you say, God, I love you? You say it with your words, and then you go show it with your works. 
To love God, you have to love others. You say, well, can't I just pray and tell him I love him? (laughs) Yeah, you can do that, but you will never sense the real connection of love that God means for you to have. The Bible says, if you love me, you will serve others. Amen? Okay, go find somebody to love. (laughs) Amen. Amen. That shouldn't be a hard process, should it? Everywhere we look around us, there are people who are hungry to know the love of God, which only we can share in the world in which we live. Tomorrow, we're going to talk about the blessing. Uh, this is a, a wonderful passage in Second Peter 1, 8 through 11. In this lesson, we'll learn about the seven incredible blessings God pours into the lives of those who draw on his power and his promises. He's outlined these for us in Second Peter 1, 3 through 7. Part one of the blessing tomorrow here on Turning Point. Hey, I've been telling you all about um, our special conference cruise in Alaska, which is coming up July 13th through the 20th. We'll be sailing on Holland America's Uridam with musical guests Michael Sanchez and Uriel Vega, special sports guests Tony Dungy, James Brown, and Daniel Jeremiah. We'll have a great time together, and we hope you'll come with us. Go to davidjeremiah.org for more information. Be sure to join us tomorrow for the next edition of Turning Point. The message you just heard came to you from Shadow Mountain Community Church and senior pastor, Dr. David Jeremiah. We love hearing how God uses Turning Point, so please write to Turning Point for God of Canada, P.O. Box 18098, RPO, Sawasan, Delta, B.C., V4L2M4. Visit our website at davidjeremiah.ca slash radio or call 800-946-4300. Ask for your copy of Robert J. Morgan's book, The Mediterranean Sea Rules. It offers biblical tools for navigating life's storms, and it's yours for a gift of any amount. You can also stream more than 1,200 of Dr. Jeremiah's messages on demand with our streaming service, Turning Point Plus. For a monthly gift of any amount, visit turningpointplus.org for details. This is David Michael Jeremiah. Join us tomorrow as we continue the series, Everything You Need, on Turning Point with Dr. David Jeremiah. the young ones in your life on an unforgettable journey that will get them excited about the Word of God with the Airship Genesis Kids Study Bible. Then continue the adventure with monthly audio adventures on airshipgenesis.com. Plus, download the Airship Genesis mobile game where kids will travel back in time to the life of Jesus. Blast off with the young one in your life at airshipgenesis.com. Focus your heart on the hope of the resurrection with Dr. David Jeremiah's classic book called Season of Hope, a celebration of Easter. You'll receive this timeless work when you make a donation of any amount to Turning Point. And when you give $100 or more, you'll receive a special four-pack so you can share Season of Hope with friends who need encouragement. Request your books and learn more when you visit davidjeremiah.ca. I'm a fan of questions. Encouraging our children to ask questions can set them on a track toward a lifetime of learning. The Bible is full of questions, some directed to God and some directed toward readers. Some are asked in order to get answers, while some are asked to make the reader think. 
But there's something I like even more than questions, and that is answers. I've known people in my life who love to question everything, but never seem to be interested in any answers. Jesus didn't say that questions will make you free, but he did say that truth, true answers to good questions, will. This is David Jeremiah, encouraging you to get on the road to new life. Discover God's answers on Route 66. Route 66, driving the word home. Log on to Route66life.com. Start your journey home today.